Hello, hello. <laughs> now, yeah, let's talk about uh, Mother's Day and this connection to what's happening with um, this season that we're all in and all experiencing together. Um, it seems sometimes that, as Jim said, you know, our, our perspective or our understanding of, of God um, oftentimes is, is masculine. Um, and, um, and so I want to talk about that this morning, the, uh, um, the difference um, between, uh, just briefly, between the characteristics of the divine and characteristics of, of, the, of humans. One thing that we can definitely say is that God is beyond all characteristics of masculine or feminine. Uh, and uh, Genesis 1 makes that abundantly clear, that God created humanity in his image, and in his image he created them, male and female. And so God transcends these characteristics, but also it is apparent from Genesis that the author is saying that also those characteristics of masculine and feminine are divine characteristics. And, uh, and that is um, uh, one of the, um, I think one of the gifts uh, of, of humanity is to recognize that there are characteristics of both that are part of the divine and that we only possess a part and that what we wanna do is to welcome the entire thing. One of those aspects, one of those characteristics of the divine and the divine feminine is this characteristic of waiting. The, the capacity to wait. And this morning, I want to bless all of you in the waiting. The waiting is that period of time between times where there doesn't appear to be anything going on, where we feel sometimes stuck and anxious and wanting to get out of that space that is in between those spaces, the period of waiting. In, in general, the characteristic of, of waiting is found within the, not only the divine feminine, but within God as mother. And there are passages in the Psalms and elsewhere where God and the characteristics of God is that of a mother who protects her children, who guards them. But one of those characteristics is the ability to wait. The pregnant mom who waits, she waits in hope, in fear, in frustration, in sickness, in fatigue, in desperation, in anticipation, in joy, in excitement, and finally, in realization. This waiting is found right at the beginning in creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. You see, when there is this sort of formless and, and chaotic beginning, then God immediately comes in as the initiator because God is masculine and comes in and rescues and fixes everything. Amen? If you're nodding your head, I just lied to you. Did you catch it? If you did, that's okay. You're an American. You wouldn't have caught it. 
You see, because our concept is that where there is problem, there must be an immediate solution. And there should be as very little waiting as possible between problem and solution. We are a very initiation, initiative-driven kind of country where we take the initiative, we respond immediately. Actually, we react. We don't really respond. We react. But see, Genesis 1, I skipped a section when I read that to you. It sounds right to our ears. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness covered the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. That sounds right to our American ears. But actually, I skipped a section, and the section is this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit hovered over the waters. Then God said, let there be light. See, for most of us, it would make sense that there would go from this crisis to, oh, there's the rescuing. And instead, there's this pause. There's this pause where the Spirit hovers over the waters. And if the spirit was working for a CEO in America today, that spirit would have gotten fired for hovering over the waters of chaos and problems and crises. There is this space between, if you notice the three movements, there is the crisis or the chaos, and then there is the waiting, and then there is the creation or the solution. That three-parter works also in the crucifixion. You see, there's the crucifixion, and then there's the resurrection, and we oftentimes talk about the crucifixion and the resurrection, but we don't talk about the waiting, the pause that is in between. There is a pause between the crucifixion and the resurrection. There's a pause between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. And there seems to be not much going on on that day called Saturday. In the planting of seeds, and many of you may have been doing that this week, going out into the backyard, and you notice little areas where, <clears throat> oh, there's no grass, and I've got to plant the grass, and I can't wait till that kind of grows and fills in. And when you plant that seed in the earth, there is a pause between when the seed goes into the ground and when it first that first bit of grass pierces through the earth. There's a pause. And that pause is the waiting. That pause is the germinating. That pause is the gestation period. That pause is in the hidden, in the dark, in the deep. There's this wonderful poem. I've been sharing it by T.S. Eliot, and I'll read a section of it. I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope. For hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Wait 
without love, for love would be love of the wrong thing. There is yet faith, but the faith and the love and the hope are all in the waiting. Wait without thought, for you are not ready for thought. So the darkness shall be light and the stillness dancing. Psalm 46. I'm going to share this with you so you can see it. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's such a great passage, isn't it? Be still and know that I, how many Christians across the globe have quoted from this passage. Be still and know that I am God. Do you know the number, one of the big reasons why the Psalms are written? The Psalms were written because uh, many ancient Jewish people were tempted to go back to their old ways, to go back to their former patterns of life. They were struggling because there was a great need and the answer wasn't coming immediately. You see, all of us, we're all just a little bit more evolved than animals. Animals go from compulsion and it's immediate, like I'm hungry, I eat, right? I'm thirsty, I drink. There's no, there's no thinking. There's no space in that. But we're created in the image of God. And that space, that ability to await, is a divine characteristic that is so critically needed for us. And the psalmist is trying to communicate this over and over again to the people of Israel. Don't go back to these old ways. The reason why you're tempted is because they do produce something. But it's all it is is just so temporary. And it doesn't satisfy at the deepest levels. And you will be hungry tomorrow again. And in the end, what it does is it produces destruction in your lives and in the lives of this country and this nation, the nation of Israel at the time. And so he is saying to them, please listen to me. 
wait on the Lord. Don't rush to getting your needs met immediately. If you think about this, this is the journey of Israel in the desert. While they were in the desert, they were so quick to, to, I'm hungry, what's going on? You've brought us out here to die. We're thirsty, where's the water, Moses? Come on, give us water. Boy, it's better, we wish we, wish we had never left Egypt, because after all, we ate well, we, we had everything we needed. Right? This inability to wait in the midst of the struggle is something that we all share in common, isn't it? I don't think any of us could raise our hands and say, I'm excellent at the waiting. That's my gift, man. I wait well. (laughs) Now, can we say that some of us freeze up and do nothing? Yes. But is that the kind of waiting we think is is what's being uh, promoted here and encouraged? Probably not, right? (laughs) It's a different form of waiting. We don't wait well. None of us do. We're all in this together, folks. In COVID-19, we are waiting poorly. Man, are we having all sorts of reactions. It is so frustrating. Do you know the reason why uh, one, um, uh, I think as a psychologist wrote on this, as to why people are given to conspiracies? It's because we need certainty in our lives. The brain lacks it and seeks it out and will glom on to anything that provides that kind of security. And so we have a hard time also. Secondly, one of the other points was that we don't like complexity. We don't like it when there's a complex answer. We want simple, and we look for simple, and conspiracies offer that sometimes to us. And so this is why we're rushing to conspiracies. This is why we're rushing to all sorts of things as a country, right? It's because we don't like waiting, and we struggle in the waiting. The waiting is painful. The space between... The, the, the chaos in Genesis 1, and then the creation in Genesis 3, where the Spirit hovers over the waters. That's the, split, that's the, 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 the place where we struggle. That's the place where we, uh, where we are, our junk gets just surfaced in us. The time between Friday and Sunday, that Saturday, between the crucifixion, the time when the, the, the mom is, 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 is experiencing this child within her growing. While it is wonderful, it is also so uncomfortable and painful. It, it, it's in the waiting, that time when the seed goes into the ground and the farmer is anxiously hoping, please let this year be a good harvest. Please, we've done everything we can, but at this point, there's nothing more that I can do but wait. I don't like waiting. It is so frustrating. It feels so helpless. And yet, it is in that period where the magic takes place. This is where God does God's work. It is in the waiting. And for all the wonderful things about initiative, and I would preach a whole entire sermon on initiative, and it would be, you know, the, 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 that side of God as well, that there's also this place where we are in, where collectively as a country and as a world we're in right now. This is what we're facing, is the waiting. The pause, the time between times. 
the other thing I want to say, the second thing I want to say about the reason why Psalms are written is the Psalms are not written as an escape from, from difficulty. And many people think of prayer, church, reading the Bible as an escape from reality. But the thing is that when you come back into reality, you're just as anxious and just as frustrated. It didn't do anything to enable you to actually face it. The Psalms are dis distinctly written to actually prepare us to face and to continue through the struggle. Notice how he says here, as we just read in th at the beginning of Psalm 46, God is our refuge in strength and ever-present help in trouble, in trouble. It's easy for us to see God in the rescuing, isn't it? God rescued me. Woohoo. We've got a vaccine. Woohoo. Right? It's easy to see God in that space. But it is extraordinarily difficult to encounter the divine in the waiting. And so when the psalmist says God is an ever present help, the psalmist has experienced this in the struggle. It's as if a psalmist who was writing now would say, God is in this moment through COVID-19, right now, in this very present moment. See, our temptation, and this is the unhealthy, I want to talk about and finish up with healthy waiting, and then I want to, I want to put it out to us to talk about this. What does healthy waiting look like? Because that's the big question, right? This is inspiring, but what's the big, but how do we, how do we wait well? And so, and so one of the tips I want to give us, I, I want to give us uh, maybe uh, four or five here. It, it, healthy waiting, I believe, is present-minded. It's God is present in this moment right here, right now. It's not God of the past, although that's important. And boy, does, does Scripture talk about that a lot, right? Why? Because it's us recalling in the present moment the way God was present in the past. It's to encourage us to stay in the present. The past stories of, of God doing something wonderful in our lives is not as an escape. It's not to avoid the, the, the Saturday in between Friday and Sunday. It is not to avoid the space between chaos and creation. It is precisely to help us to engage in that space, to remind ourselves God has always been present. God was present in the past. God is present right here in this moment. It's not in the future. It's right here, right now. The second thing I want to say is that healthy waiting involves being wholehearted. That means we are bringing our whole self into it. I can stay present, but, you know, it's kind of physically present, but my mind's somewhere else. <laughs> and that's a, a form of getting away with it, you know, and it's a way of not dealing with it. And, and, and so we can so easily not be present in the moment when we're not present whole heartedly. It is bringing in the whole entirety of us. Sometimes we want to perform being present. Oh, what does it mean to be present? Oh, it means being like transcended and having it a perpetual smile that annoys everybody around me and looking like I've got this whole thing together. And that's performance. And look at me, I'm waiting well. I've got this. 
But waiting involves the pain, the struggle, the times where we're feeling incredibly sad, the times where we make the mistakes, where we fail, the times where we feel ashamed of ourselves. It involves the entirety of who we are because anything short of that is not bringing the fullness and the truth of who we are to the present moment. And God is not interested in transforming a part of us through the waiting, but the entirety of who we are. And that's why it is good and okay and right for us to bring our whole selves into it. The problem is not our feelings. The Psalms are full of anger. I mean, you read some of these Psalms. There's a whole section called, I learned this in, in seminary, imprecatory Psalms, which is basically saying, God, I wish you'd kill my enemies. And like really, like, um, you know, R-rated style of killing. Like, I want it. I want, I want the whole thing. Like, lots of vengeance. And, and there's, there's all these Psalms about that. And that isn't the problem. That's actually the right thing, is that you're aiming your focus toward God. Right? And so this brings us to our third um, point, which is being hopeful and faithful in the waiting Hopeful and faithful. Hopeful meaning that I'm still looking toward the good that is beyond all of this, that I can access in this present moment. It's not hope that I defer to the future. As T.S. Eliot says, it is hope, love, and faith right in the waiting. It's hopeful and it is faithful. What? is mine to do in this moment from faith. Full of faith. That's what faithful means, full of faith. It doesn't mean that I don't have doubts. Doubts is not the opposite of faith at all. In fact, if you have no doubt, you have no need for, if you have no doubt, you have no need for faith. That's just belief. You, you, you've already got it. That's why Paul says, Hey, faith that's realized is not faith. Hope that's realized is not hope, right? It's, it's precisely that because it hasn't been realized. That's why we need it. And so faith is, is that I'm moving forward and leaning forward as if it is already realized, even though it isn't fully realized in this moment called the waiting, the pause, the space, the time between times. And finally, it is responsive, not reactive. Responsive means what is mine to do thoughtfully, prayerfully, discerning without reactivity. It's not compulsive. It's not like my automatic go-tos. It is pulling back from that and really, really asking God and deeply within yourself, what is mine to do today? Not what's the future vision, what's mine to do today. And if I can respond and be faithful and hopeful and wholehearted and present-minded, then I think we're doing pretty well in this space called the waiting. And so this divine feminine 
mothering characteristic of God, the waiting. It's something that I want to bless you with. I bless you in the waiting. I bless you in the sadness. I bless you in the joy. I bless you in the frustration, in the confusion. I bless you in the questions that go unanswered. I bless you in the prayers that are going unanswered. I bless you in the, in the happiness. I bless you in the excitement. I bless you in the ahas. I bless you in the insights. And in all of this, I bless you. Because if you're in the game of life, folks, this is what you will experience, is all of it. But know this, while you're in the waiting, you're being held by God. Finally, I want to finish with this psalm without commentary. Just want to read this to you. So if you would close your eyes, if you can. And posture yourself to receive this passage into your soul. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. You will not grow tired or weary in his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those of any age who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is our promise for those of us who wait. Amen.